The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. When I tell people about our church, One of the first questions they ask is, what is an Angelican? Which, honestly, is a pretty fair question. Regardless of where in the country you were raised, chances are pretty good that you haven't had much contact with Anglicans. So what is the Anglican Church? Is it something to do with angels or maybe geometry? Well, no. It's it's actually one of the oldest Protestant denominations. So isn't that the one about Henry VIII getting a bunch of divorces? Well, no, not really. The, the real story is older and a lot more complicated than the story about one crazy evil king. So over the next few weeks, I want to invite you to join in one of our Intro to Anglicanism classes at St. Aidan's. We're going to talk about the Christian faith, the story of the English-speaking church, and what it looks like to be an Anglican at St. Aidan's. And hopefully along the way, you'll come away with a better, richer, and deeper understanding of our history, our community, and our worship. This is an introduction to Anglicanism with Father Lee. So we're, we're going to cover the question of what what does it mean to be a Christian today? Okay. And then next week, we're going to cover what does it mean to be an Anglican Christian. So we're going to talk about, we're going to briefly talk about the history of the Anglican Church, and then we're going to spend the bulk of the time next week talking about, like, here are the specific ways that Anglicans look at being a Christian. Okay, gotcha. And then the last week, we'll cover um, the sacraments. And especially like what what the sacraments look like in the the life of the parish here. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to read the catechism together because okay. that's what we do. Because we are Anglicans and we have a catechism. Um, so in a you know in a in an old fashioned Anglican church, you know, if we had big stone walls and we had Sunday school rooms in the basement and all mm-hmm. of that there would be catechism classes and they would sit down and they would take like one of these sections. So like, here's part one. And they would just sit down and the Sunday school lesson for the catechism class would be part one. 
beginning with Christ. What is the gospel? And so the teacher would ask that question, and then they would spend a chunk of time sort of explaining, you know, all of the all of the details of the answer to the question. Oh, okay. And so the idea was that by the end of this, you could answer not word for word, but if somebody asked you a question, you could then answer the question. And in fact, right. there are places in the world where the bishops will do that. Like the bishop will just, you know, walk up to somebody and say, why did Christ institute the sacrament of Holy Communion? And you have to answer that like, stand there in front of the bishop, in front of the whole church, oh, or he will not give you, uh, uh, he will not confirm you as a member of the church. No, thanks. I'm like, no, huh? Our bishop will not do that. Our bishop, <laughs> I'm really glad. Yeah, our bishop is going to, you know, spend time like preaching and mm-hmm. he's going to pray for you guys and lay hands on you yeah. and, you know. I'm pretty sure that even if I knew the answer, it's like... Right? It's like, it's gone uh, now. I don't know it now. So it doesn't matter if I knew it before. I don't know it now. <laughs> right. Now you're, now you're, you're asking scary. me questions. Right? Um, you're scary in your little Pope hat. Yeah. <laughs> Very intimidated by your giant cape and Pope hat. So we're just going to read through. We're not going to read through all of these because this is the entirety of the, the catechism mm-hmm. is, is all printed here for you. We're going to go through the first like section of it. The way that the catechism is set up is... You were expected by the time you were by the time you were confirmed, you had to be able to recite the Apostles' Creed, um, and to recite the Lord's Prayer and to recite the Ten Commandments. Like that was your homework back in the back in the day. Um, other than the Ten Commandments, most people I like two out of three. Yeah, exactly. Like most <laughs> people that come to come to an Anglican church have the Apostles' Creed. And the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. or and, and the the Lord's Prayer, and every once in a while you run into somebody who's like from like, you know, a very conservative Baptist background. who's like, well, I know the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments, but I'll have to work on the, you know, yeah, on the I, Apostles' Creed. Man, I didn't know the Apostles' Creed was even a thing until I was in like high school. Right. And that's because I went to church with somebody else. Uh huh. Like, right. I was I was in seminary the first time I heard a creed okay. and it was yeah. the Nicene Creed. I'd like, never heard it before. What are y'all we're weirdos like, doing? Yeah, we're we're in Asbury sitting up in the loft in the chapel and I'm totally confused. <laughs> and the the group leader like grabs mm-hmm. one of the worship books and pulls it out and he's like, "Here's where we are." And I'm like reading through. Hey, this is cool. You're I, like, I get I, this. I could have used what are this. Like, I don't yeah. understand. Uh, this oh, is yeah. this is super useful. Why oh, wasn't yeah. this a thing back in the day? So today we're going to talk about. The, the very basics, because I'm not going to bring anybody to the bishop to be confirmed as an Anglican who I'm not sure is also a Christian, right? Right. Well, yeah. So we spend the first lesson talking about, like, what is Christianity? Just so we make sure that, you know, somebody doesn't show up and they're like, yes, but I don't believe that Jesus is God. I'm like, okay, oh. well, that's going to be a problem. You're like, I reject the virgin birth. Well, uh, we need to well. we need to have a talk about that. You're like, I don't believe that you know that that baptism that that baptism is important okay so we're gonna have to have some more conversations you get to stay after class exactly because no (laughs) because you're a heretic and now you have you you have heresy detention we're gonna burn you exactly just a little i'm gonna ask the questions and then you will if you're comfortable read the response to me and then anytime that you have a question about like phrasing or Mm -hmm. or anything like that don't worry anything that's in parentheses you can just skip over um, cause oh, that stuff is for like oh. you to look up or if you have a question, we'll, you know, it, it's there for us to look up. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, so yeah, does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's go for it. Number one, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of God loving and saving lost mankind 
Through the ministry and word and deed of his son, Jesus Christ. Okay. So gospel means good news. Like right. that's, that's what the word means. And so the, the good news is that God loves and saves humanity through the ministry in word and deed of, of Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? Yes. That's the gospel. God loves us and saved us through the, through the work and, the, and life and death of Jesus. Right. That's it. So number two, what is the human condition? The universal human condition is that though made for fellowship with our creator, we have been cut off from him by self-centered rebellion against him, leading to guilt, shame, and fear of death and judgment. This is the state of sin. Okay. Any questions? No. All right. How does sin affect you? Sin alienates me from God, my neighbor, God's good creation, and myself. I am hopeless, guilty, lost, helpless, and walking in the way of death. Sometimes in, in our teaching at St. Aidan's, we refer to these as the four alienations, that when sin mm. comes into the world in, in Genesis 3, it alienates humanity in four ways. And so it alienates us from God, from each other, from creation, and from ourselves. That it, that it destroys every single relationship that we have. Okay. All right. Can you mend your broken relationship with God? No, I have no power to save myself, for sin has corrupted my conscience and captured my will. Only God can save me. And this is important because when you talk to people, generally, people that, you know, are nominally Christian, people Mm -hmm. that show up in church, uh, you know, have been to church, were in church as a kid, you know, and you talk to them, they're like, well, you know, I don't really go to church now, but I feel like I'm a good person. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. So I'm going to get into heaven when I die. It's like, yeah, no, well, that's not. That's, that's not what we're talking about. Then, then what are we doing? Right, exactly. <laughs> like, obviously, there is more to it than that. Yeah. It's not It's not that, you know, they're, they're like, well, as long as I try real hard, then that 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 fixes the problem right. that sin creates. I'm like, right. no, that does, not, that does not mend the alienation from God, each no. other, creation, right. and ourselves. It doesn't fix it. It's like, good job. <laughs> I know, but like, I'm, I'm glad that you're working doing hard that. at that. Mm-hmm. But no. <laughs> but that's not it. Yeah. That's, that's a start, but that is yeah. not it. So what is the way of life? The way of life is a life directed toward loving and responding to God, the Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ, in the power of God's indwelling Holy Spirit and leading to eternal life. Okay. What does God want to give you? God wants to reconcile me to Himself to free me from captivity to sin, to fill me with knowledge of him, to make me a citizen of his kingdom, and to enable me to worship, serve, and glorify him now and forever. How does God save you? God saves me by grace, which is his undeserved love given to me in and through Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Who is Jesus Christ? Jesus is my Savior, fully divine and fully human. He bore my sins, dying in my place on the cross, then rose from the dead to rule as anointed king over me and all creation. Is there any other way of salvation? No. The Apostle Peter said of Jesus, There is salvation in no one else. Jesus is the only one who can save me and reconcile me to God. How should you respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ? I should repent of my sins and put faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. What does it mean for you to repent? To repent means that I have a change of heart, turning from sinfully serving myself to serving God as I follow Jesus Christ. I need God's help to make this change. What does it mean for you to have faith? 
To have faith means that I believe the gospel is true. I acknowledge that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead to rule over me. I entrust myself to him as my Savior, and I obey him as my Lord. As the Apostle Paul said, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay. It's important to note here that a lot of times, especially as, as evangelicals in America, when we talk about faith, we read like the first part of that and then we stop. Right. 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 Faith means I believe that the gospel is true. And then that's the end. And, and that's it. That, that's all that's required. As long as, as long as in my head I believe that something is true, mm-hmm. well, then I have faith. And, you know, and, and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But as, as Anglicans and really as, as believers, you know, readers and believers in Scripture, it's more than that. Right. It's not just I, I have, you know, I, yeah. I have a, a particular way of looking at the world and I believe that it's true. And so that's, that, that's the end of it. It's that, yes, I believe that the gospel is true, mm-hmm. but also that I acknowledge that Jesus died for my sins and rose mm-hmm. from the dead and that he rules over me and that I entrust myself to him and that I obey him. Right. So, it, mm-hmm. so it's not just, you know, I, I have these beliefs. It's also that, I, that those beliefs shape my actual behavior. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for... Growing up, like, in my family at least, the, the profession of it, too, was really important. Uh-huh. Like, it's, you know, like, somebody would be like, well, I was in my room and I was praying and I said, I believe Jesus is... Like, mm-hmm. okay, but there has to be something about it that changes you. Like, it's the whole thing. If right. this is really to be to say, I have faith and I believe that these things are happening and they're changing my behavior, mm-hmm. then you need to be public with that in word Andy. Like you need to say, right. so like we also, so like I prayed with my parents, but then we also went to church, like in church and said it publicly. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know how like particularly, it's not like the scriptures, like Peter said, then you go to church and say, you know, when you're seven <laughs> that you believe in Jesus. But you know, I always thought that that part was really important because people mm-hmm. are like, well, I believe it. And it's like, if I say it out loud, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but w- think about it's like what the difference between like you being in your room by yourself and saying it out loud and saying it to others and then being accountable and then you're right you're accountable to to, yeah to what you've yeah to what you've said to other people yeah exactly so how may a person repent and place faith in jesus christ anyone may repent and place their faith in jesus christ at any time one way to do this is by sincerely saying a prayer similar to the prayer of repentance and faith given above which we don't have in this version, but I when, like, no. when I give you guys oh, your okay. your copy of the catechism, uh, then you'll have a I was like, you'll have a copy thing. of that. Okay. <laughs> what should you do once you have turned to God for repent uh, in turn to God for salvation in repentance and faith? If I have not already been baptized, following proper instruction, I should be baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and thus into membership in His body, the Church. So we, you, like you guys believe in just like one baptism, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can you can always reaffirm your faith, and we have right. you know liturgies for for people mm-hmm. that are like I've walked away from Christianity, and I want to publicly you know I I I, I want to publicly state that I'm leaving you know that path behind and I'm recommitting my life to Christ. Like we right. we have we have ways of doing that, but baptism is but something that happens baptism. once. Right. That's yeah. what I. Think. 
That said, most of the people in the church don't come are aren't they're not cradle Anglicans. They're not Anglicans from way on back, um, and so most people come from evangelical backgrounds. Most of them either either Baptist or Methodist. There's a couple of folks that are kind of non-denominational, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. pretty much everybody's Baptist or Methodist. So most of them have been baptized multiple times. Okay. Even though now, like for our kids, we would not we we would not consent for them to be baptized, you know, again, now that they've been baptized. Um, Do you all baptize as, like, babies? Or mm-hmm. just, okay. Yeah, which we'll talk about when we, um, that'll be the third session. We'll, okay. we'll talk about, like, what baptism looks like and, right. and what, you know, because, yeah. I've not been baptized multiple times, just once. What's up, dude? Hello. Hi. Uh, I have to go get Emilio. For what? Oh, well, go get it. For the sour cream. <laughs> okay. Of course. Why, why, would, why, why don't you know that? Why wouldn't there be a toddler wandering through the church looking for sour cream? This was the wrong one. It was the wrong one. The wrong sour cream. Oh, well, more than one. Okay. So what does God grant in saving you? God grants me reconciliation with him. Forgiveness of sins, adoption into his family, citizenship in his kingdom, union with him in Christ, new life in the Holy Spirit, and the promise of eternal life. Mm-hmm. Any questions about those things? No. Okay. I got that. What does God desire to accomplish in your life in Christ? God desires to transform me into the image of Jesus Christ, my Lord, by the power of his Holy Spirit. Okay. How does God transform you? He will transform me over time through corporate and private worship, prayer, and Bible reading, fellowship with with God's people, pursuit of holiness of life, witness toward those who do not know Christ, and acts of love towards all. The first Christians set this pattern as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship is a breaking of bread and the prayers. Okay. Any questions about that? So, I mean, that that right there sort of, like, sums up Catholic life. Right. I mean, that, you know, yeah. And that's, that's it right there. Mm-hmm. I can't, like, you know, I don't think that anybody ever said, you know, in our church, this is how it works. Mm-hmm. But that was how it worked. Right. And, yeah, once it was, pra- like... The actual lived experience right, was, was this. Was this. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. yeah, you, you worship and you pray and you read your Bible. Mm-hmm. You are together as a group as often as possible. Mm-hmm. Usually because of that one verse that isn't talking about that, but forsaking the fellowship. Oh, right. There's always yeah. that one. Uh holiness, even though we don't as Baptists yeah, at least I we didn't talk about the probably... pursuit of holiness of life. There was there there was an assumption that you were pursuing holiness of life, but it didn't. Right, but that wasn't ever really talked about. Like, right, what that really means. It was like here are commandments and you follow them, but it mm-hmm. was never like you ought to be mm-hmm. being transformed. Like this idea of me being transformed was never something that that right. happened like that. The, the transformation happened when I got saved. Right. And so now it was like now you have to live up to the expectation of when you got saved. That's I think that's the thing that's always really kind of confused me. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, okay, well, when you're saved, you know, you are baptized and you, you know, it's like the death bell and then like you're a new person. Right. Well, I don't feel any different. Right. 
like I still wouldn't punch my brother in the face because mm-hmm. he's mean. Right. And I'd still probably steal that candy bar if I really got the chance or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, I was seven mm-hmm. when I got baptized. So, like, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and then I didn't really think about it that much then. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, how hard it is it, it, to really be good when you're seven, you know? Right. There's... You know. Um, I think I really understood. I mean, I understood what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But then it's not really hard to live up to that. Right. When you're a good kid anyway. Like, you're just like, oh, I'm not going to do these bad things. Mm-hmm. But then when I got to be, like, a teenager and, like, even kind of now, I'm kind of like, well, I don't feel any different. What does Mm -hmm. that mean? Like, I don't really understand. I still want to do these things. Mm -hmm. Like, I still want to do things I know are wrong. So, did it not, like, stick? Right. Did it go away because I, like, sinned a lot? Mm -hmm. Or, like, you know, it's like, I don't know how to... It's like I thought I was supposed to be different, but like I don't feel different. Right. And I still want to do stuff I know that I shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I do it. Mm-hmm. But shouldn't I be different? Right. It's like that. Yeah. I, I have a hard time with that sometimes. Like the Catholic answer is, nope, you shouldn't feel different. Right. Like it's completely normal to want all of those things that you're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's completely normal like if if you aren't on a daily basis having to say no to your own personal desires then there's something probably wrong with you right you're a hermit and you live under a rock yeah like for <laughs> like for a for a catholic christian it's that, that's always the way that they're going to talk about holiness like ho- holiness is saying no to the things that we want but it, it doesn't it doesn't mean that the wants go away. It's just that we have over time trained ourselves to say no to the things that we want. And so the desire is always going to be there. That's it's not holiness if you're not saying no and you can't say no unless you're being tempted. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. Like yeah. That, that that so that's the whole idea. So like for for Anglicans when they talk about it, they're going to say you you were saved, you are saved and you are being saved. And you will be saved. Right. Like that's okay. that's the way that they it's would. It's a continual process. It's uh-huh. not just right. One like time it's something that begins all. in your baptism and it continues mm-hmm. as you profess your faith, as you grow in your profession of faith, as you grow in in the faith in the midst of the community. Like all of those are a part of it, um, but it's not a one time event. It's not right. like I can look back at this one time and that was when I got saved. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, that it's it's something that this is when the work of of grace that god is accomplishing began in my life it happened at at this point this is when god started his work on me right and then the rest of it is just the continuation the the continuation of that the the playing out of that story but that's where that's so that's where the story begins but it's not it's not the whole um the whole picture so much more sense Mm -hmm. So it's like if you look at number 16, what does God grant in saving you? Mm-hmm. When we look at baptism, when I when I pray the ba- baptismal prayers even over the little kids, mm-hmm. what I'm saying is you are now reconciled to God. Your sins are forgiven. You have been adopted into this family. You are now a citizen of his kingdom. You are united to him in Christ. The Holy Spirit brings new life to you and the promise of eternal life is yours. And now you're going to be number 18 transformed over time. So like those are the things that happen that that happen in baptism and now it's time for us to be transformed. 
Like now it's time for us to, to, to learn how to live those things out. But so does that make sense? So, so one thing happens here and then we begin moving toward, uh, to, toward the transformation. Right. Cause like, I guess I've always been trying to, it's like, okay, well I'm saved. So I should already be at this level. Mm -hmm. And I'm like struggling like to stay there. And I uh-huh. can't. And I'm like, I don't understand why I can't do this. shouldn't be that difficult. Right. Like, it shouldn't be so hard. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that this thing is wrong, or I know that this thing is wrong. Right. Like, so it shouldn't be so difficult to not do it. Mm-hmm. But it is. Right. And I was like, so I always felt like I'm not as good as, like, other people. <laughs> I'm not good at it. <laughs> I'm, I'm really bad at being a Christian. Right. Like, yep. Yeah. Yes, we are. And. We are. We are extraordinarily bad at being Christians. Right. But it's like, you know, growing up, it's like, well, you should be better. Mm-hmm. It's like if you say, oh, I'm bad at being Christian, well, try harder. Try harder. That's what they always say. That's, mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'll do that. I guess I'll, I'll, you know, grit my teeth. Yeah. Like, I will be a Christian. I'll clench my fists at, 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 you know, that besetting sin. Right. And then it'll go away and stuff. Right, and that's, yeah, does. and I'm like, I don't know how to make it, like, go away, mm-hmm. and even now, like, it's kind of like, I'm just like, you know, I don't know how to make it go away, like, I don't know how to, what good is saying no to things, and, like, mm-hmm. I think that's the point. Right. So we're supposed to work on it. We're supposed to work on it. Yeah. I always, you know, when when Lent and Advent, you know, and the Apostles Fast rolled around, I, you know, get to explain to everybody over and over again, because it's all, you know. You have to hear it over and over again. The whole point of that is that we take something that doesn't matter, like food, Mm -hmm. and we teach ourselves very, 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 very pointedly to learn how to say no to stuff that doesn't matter. Like that's what fasting is all about. It's learning to say no to something that doesn't matter so that when something shows up that does matter, we're able to say yes or no to the things that that do matter because we have that discipline that it's, it's like working out. And so... It doesn't go away. Like everybody in the entire church needs Lent and Advent and the Apostles Fast every single year. They all need it just as much as they did last year. Because maybe they've they've grown up in one area, but there are still other places in their life where they need to continue learning how to say right. no. You know, that's just mm-hmm. that that's just Christian growth. Right. That's just what it looks like to to be maturing as a Christian. So the next section is going to be us talking through the creed. We're not going to read every single one of these because, you know, there's several, lots of pages of them. Um, so we're not going to read every single one of these responses. I encourage you to read these on, on your own. Yeah. Um, which is why I, I give these out so that everybody has a chance to, you know, just you have this on hand. You can, you can look at it. You can read through it. And, and that way when we get together for the next, uh, the next meeting, you can like bring any questions that you have right you know because obviously as soon as you leave you're going to be like oh i I meant to ask about this or this or that or something just like literally like write it down on the page and then and then you know that way you know if it's two weeks or however long it is until we meet again then it'll you know it'll be fresh and you'll be ready to go okay okay um so a creed a creed is a, a statement of faith now we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Apostles Creed because we in the West uh, use that as we call it the baptismal creed. It's a it's a very short version of the creed of the church. We're not sure where it comes from. 
Um, it's it's possible that it's older than the Nicene Creed, but it's very unlikely. Probably this this showed up in in Europe later on as a way of simplifying the Nicene right. Creed. So they had this big, long, huge right, creed, and they long. just they just made a short outline of the creed, and they said, here is the baptismal creed. Creed comes from the Latin word credo, mm-hmm. uh, which means I believe or we believe. It can mean both, and so that's, that's why you'll sometimes find creeds that say I believe, and you find other creeds that are translated mm-hmm. as we believe. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's up to the the individuals. The whole point of a creed is just for us to take all of what we're saying and condense it down. We're 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 right. taking the 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 teachings and condensing them down. Another thing that that we we use the creed for is the creed is a test that can be applied to when we hear teachings from people. We can then hold them up against the creed and say yes right. or no. You know, right. it's like we can you know every single week. You guys listen to a sermon from me, and then we immediately say the creed together so that you guys can say, were the things that Lee told us about our life in Christ true, or was he, you know, do, do we need to have a conversation with the bishop about the teachings coming out of this priest? Right. You know? Or you can be sitting there at home, and, you know, you can have, you know, a, a quote from Joel Osteen, and you can hold it up against the creed, and you can say, you know, whether or not those two things are, are Christian Barf. at the same time in the same sense. So the Apostles' Creed on question number 25. What is the Apostles' Creed? The Apostles' Creed says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified dead, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. So the basic question is the the, the one the bishop used to ask way back in the old days when he would say, Do you uh, do you with without reservation and unfeignedly believe this to be true right yes mm-hmm. so basically it's like can you say this and not cross your fingers then you are a christian right right like like for mm-hmm. for a long time in my life you know i was you know if i it, i was always worried that like the rapture was going to happen and then i wasn't i was yeah. believing in the wrong kind of things and then I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in, I wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. in the in group because that's how saved works. Yeah. And now, you know, what I can tell people is say the Apostles Creed. Can you do that without crossing your fingers? Mm-hmm. Then you're in. Yeah. Okay? You're in the group. You're in the group. That's the in group right there. Those yeah. are the things that we as the church teach and believe because we believe that these are the things for, that we know about God and about his church and about his work in the world from scripture. We've taken we've taken right. the entirety of Scripture and distilled it into this creed. These are the things that that Scripture teaches us about God and His relationship with humanity, right. uh, in the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. So I have a question. Yes. I don't want to get off on like a huge tangent. So if it is, then just be like, no, I'll answer that later. It's fine. So like talking about like well, you're in this group or you're not. Like mm-hmm. so like this is what we believe, and and generally to me, it seems that if you read the Bible. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And I would say that most 
evangelical mainstream churches believe that, mm-hmm. whether they say it in their church or not. Right. So, okay, I get that. Like, what is the deal with, like, churches that believe, or, I don't know, churches, cults, groups, whatever, with, like, they're like, there's, like, secret messages in the Bible and, like, stuff like that. Like, does that come from anywhere in the Bible or just that they're just crazy? And some guy was like, you know what, I want to make some money and I'm going to say there's secret messages in the Bible. All of those things. Okay. Yeah. Part of the problem is that we, as Protestants, and so we'll, we'll talk about, like, you know, right. how Protestantism happens and stuff when we do the, the history next week. Right. But, but as Protestants, when we walked away from the Catholic Church, one of, one of the things that happened, and it wasn't intentional, um, it was one of the unintended consequences, is that we said no to corporate reading of Scripture. Uh, and so it was it was a huge blessing to put a Bible in the hands of every person. Right. And it's a huge responsibility, and that was not communicated uh, and has repeatedly over the years not been communicated, especially by Protestants, that when that when we sit down, it's not it's not enough for you to just sit down and read the Bible. Right. Um, that that you need to be reading the Bible within the context of a community of faith. Okay. That doesn't mean that you're not you you should be reading the Bible on your own as right. often as possible. Right. But you do that within the context of a community of faith, so that right. so that the people around you can say, "No, that's not true. Christians don't read their Bible that way. Like that's not a true thing right. from Scripture." Yeah. You've, like you're misinterpreting. You've mi- you're misinterpreting right. this, and that just okay. hasn't happened. And so what what okay. happened is that you know the the sort of old adage goes. The Protestants threw away a pope so that the, so that every one of them could become their own pope, um, which is sort of true and sort of not true at the same time. You know, it's it's it, it's it's unfair, but there's some truth to it. Right. Um, that, right. That 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 happens. Like, you know, people people feel like, and you've probably had conversations with people who, you know, will will say, "Well, I just really feel led to," and then they describe what behavior it is that they want to engage right. in, and it's like. You don't get to just say things and then baptize them with a phrase, right. I, I feel like God is leading me to. I feel like Jesus wants to say, and then they say it, and no one's allowed to question that. Exactly. Like, that's not I'm how like, I don't think works. that's right. I don't think that that's what the Holy Spirit is saying But then it's like, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can say that. Right. Because I don't know what God says to you. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that makes sense. I don't think that's it. And so for us as Anglicans, because we're because we're both Protestant and Catholic, mm-hmm. we can say, well, let's compare that to the creed briefly, shall we? You know, so we can right. we can always point back and say, this is what the Catholic faith looks like. This is what the faith of the church. So when I use the word Catholic, it just means uh, yeah, it just yeah. means universal. Right. So this is what the church believes. Now that's over here, and that's mm-hmm. you know. It's it's a new thing. Let's sit with that and let's compare it against what the church has always everywhere said on that particular right. subject. Okay. And so so it it makes us um, it makes us accountable to a group larger than ourselves. Right. For all of our for all of our everything. Mm-hmm. So not just not just our behavior, but it also makes our us accountable. Right. For our beliefs. Well, so it's like Protestantism. You know, if it had been communicated better, that mm-hmm. you know, you do have to be accountable so like basically it's like it opened up the way for us to read scripture to ourselves so that god can speak to us individually yes and you can say god is leading me to do this thing yes through the scripture Mm -hmm. 
but then also to be accountable to others so that if I do, I can say, I'm not sure about this. Mm -hmm. And then you can talk through that like with other exactly. people instead of just saying, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. sure, I'll just do that. Right. Okay. That's exactly correct. Okay. So the next section in our in, in our catechism is about Holy Scripture and how we read it. So I, I think we're just gonna we're, we're just gonna walk through this one okay. um, because it's because it's important and this is one of the one of the areas that gets gets us as Americans into so much trouble. So as Anglicans, we don't use the phrase infallible, right? Um, because it means something within the context with within that particular culture that, well, that right. we don't we don't affirm that 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 it does but what we say and and that's what what you'll find here is that we believe that scripture is God's word written right which is something bigger than infallible does that right. make sense yes. like it, oh, it's it's yeah. it's a different way of coming at the you know like the 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 one way of looking at it is is this is this a it, is this a document that is that is unique and pristine, and is it, it is it true mm -hmm. in every in every detail that that it contains? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. There's not really any way to say that, right? We don't have any way to like fact check, right? We don't have any way to fact check the, the right. all of the numbers and you know how many bushels are described in this passage. So, right. do we have any so reason to disbelieve? The, it's not the best word mm -hmm. because it may not have been 30 bushels and then therefore it's in, then it's not infallible and that's the problem with it right is, and I, is as soon he, as as soon as one part of it is not right then the whole thing falls apart whereas right. if you say this is god's word written right written written so the, these are these are the words that that god is speaking to his church handed to his church by right. his church right it changes the relationship that we as a denomination have with right. scripture so the scripture is mm -hmm. still the soul, the 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 soul authority. Right. This is it, not the soul is the final authority. Right. This is this is the last word in any argument that that Anglicans are going to have. It's right. then it's, we we turn to scripture. scripture. But right. but along with that, and we'll 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 get to that in just a second. But there there are other there are other ways that we receive authority and that we interpret scripture. So, okay. so number 26, what is Holy Scripture? Holy Scripture is God's word written, given by the Holy Spirit through prophets and apostles as the revelation of God and his acts in human history, and is therefore the church's final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll go ahead and read them. What books are contained in Holy Scripture? The 39 books of the Old Testament and the 27 books of the New Testament form the whole of Holy Scripture, which is also called the Bible and the Canon. What is in the Old Testament? The Old Testament contains the record of God's creation of all things, mankind's original disobedience, God's calling of Israel to be his people, God's law, God's wisdom, God's saving deeds, and the teaching of God's prophets. The Old Testament points to Christ, revealing God's intention to redeem and reconcile the world through Christ. What is in the New Testament? The New Testament contains the record of Jesus' birth, life, ministry, death, and resurrection and ascension, the church's early ministry, the teaching of the apostles, and the revelation of Christ's coming eternal kingdom. How are the Old Testament and New Testament related to each other? The Old Testament is to be read in the light of Christ, incarnate, crucified, and risen, and the New Testament is to be read in light of God's revelation to Israel. As St. Augustine says, the new is in the old concealed, and the old is in the new revealed. Okay. 
Any questions about that? Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure. Go for it. Um, I guess that there's just a lot of the Old Testament I just don't get. Right. Don't get it. Mm -hmm. Like, I read it, and I'm like, I don't understand. Right. Like, why are we killing all these people? Mm-hmm. And, like, just stuff like that. And I'm just kind of like, I don't understand how to read that in light of mm -hmm. Christ. Sure. The other stuff I do. There's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff that I do understand. Right. And I understand how that relates to, you know, God's judgment and um, and then pointing toward the way for Christ, like, to come and say... See, now we don't have to go through those kind, you know, because mm -hmm. before you're responsible for your, your sin. Right. And you had to be held accountable mm -hmm. to God for that sin. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, with Christ, that he took that responsibility and accountability. And, like, I get, so there's a lot of things I do understand. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like a lot of the war and, like, kind of, I don't know, like, I guess with the, like, like oh well so and so had like 700 wives and it's like i don't understand how they, like you know people are like oh well, it's the culture well but shouldn't their culture have been different than the cultures around them or mm -hmm. is it just some sort of like i don't you know i don't mm -hmm. know and i don't know if some of that really matters right and i just need to like get over it i i would say that it does matter mm -hmm. and that it is the culture if okay, yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm going to affirm both of those things. Right. Um, that yes, it should have been different and it wasn't. Right. Um, the historical books are just that they're just describing the historical record of, of God's people in Israel during a particular time period. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're not, they're not describing everything they're describing, you know, they're, they're chronicles of, of the, the stories of the, the kings. They, you know, that, that's, mm -hmm. that's their whole purpose is to say this is what happened during the time of the mm -hmm. kings. Mm -hmm. Now, should they have acted differently? Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's what the, the whole rest of the Old Testament is all about. So anytime you go to Isaiah or to Micah or mm -hmm. to Nahum or, or any time you read from mm -hmm. either the wisdom literature or from the, the major and minor prophets, mm -hmm. what they're all saying is, when you read the historical record, when you read the historical account, what's happening here over and over again is God's people not doing what God's people are supposed to do. And so God is constantly speaking uh, in, into that. And so it gives us an actual true-to-life example of God intervening in the midst of our bad choices and bad decisions. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, like, overlap, right? Like, so, because, I, I don't know, I was in a Bible study one time, and they were talking about, like, so, like, if you go to, like, the Psalms, mm -hmm. and you read, like, a certain one, that, not for everyone, but, mm -hmm. like, the, that then would relate back to, like, especially David's Psalms, like, mm -hmm. the, then that, you could relate that back to his story and, like, say, this is probably when he was talking about this, mm -hmm. and I don't know if that's necessarily true. For some of them, it's but true. But for some yeah. of them, and so, like, is that true with, like, Isaiah and Micah and stuff? So, like, what you're yes. talking about, like, mm -hmm. oh, well, this king was, you know, so-and-so. So then Isaiah is talking about that. Mm -hmm. He's talking about what's going on at, at that point. And so you can actually read the is Bible Is there in that any, way. okay, how do I do that? Is there, like, a list? 
can I get like a thing so I can like read them at the same time? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know how, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you can you can look around online and okay. there there are probably several different versions. I did a version of that when I was in college. Okay. Um they're they're just called a chronological old testament. A chronological old and testament. so they'll okay. they'll they'll split up the the old testament and so you'll be reading you'll read a chunk out of Kings and then you'll jump over to Isaiah and you'll read two chapters out of Isaiah. Like, and so it gives to. it gives context. It's not all That's, like yeah one-to-one because it's it's there you can't be precise right but it gives you this really beautiful tapestry like it helps you to understand the larger story because otherwise it's just like now i'm going to read five books about people being horrible and then i'm going to read you know 16 books about how god is angry all the time right i'm like i don't know how you know and then the gospel shows up i guess i'm just going to hang out in the new testament (laughs) no you have to like all of them they they all work together and and work work for that gotcha um, right. And so any time that you encounter a prophet or a priest or a king in the Old Testament, you can you you can say what is his behavior and you can compare it with what we see in the New Testament. And over and over again what you're going to find is when people mess up, the story is told in the way that it's told so that it leaves us hungry for something more. Like it it right. constantly is pointing us back to it's like this story would not have played out this way if there was a king. Like the the entire book of Judges is saying yeah. that over and over again, right. and they they imagine that the the king who's going to solve their problems is David, but it's not David. It's it's the son of David who's going to who's who's going to be the true king who would you know. But the same thing is true, you know, where where you know there were no prophets, you know, to mm-hmm. to speak to these issues, or there were prophets and nobody listened. But what if there was a prophet who could speak with authority? Where right. these other ones were prophets who could be ignored. But what if there was a prophet who spoke with authority or you know what what if there was what if there was a priest who offered a true sacrifice so like that's right. that's one of the it, it's one of the lenses that you can put on when reading the old testament but i will I i'll look helpful. around and see if i can find um one or two of the chronological studies and That'd i'll send it to you super duper helpful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's a big it's it's a big job but it's you know it's it, it's it's worth it you know well, if yeah. you know if you're like committed to that yeah because i mean that's just something i've always kind of like i'm like i don't Mm -hmm. get it the other one and you know this may not be true for you but sometimes people ask well what about the other books of the bible the they're called the intertestamental books or the the apocryphal books or the deuterocanonical books you're like well i mean i know they're a thing Mm -hmm. but every once in a while in service you'll hear uh the old testament lesson will change and the, the person who's, who's reading is called the lector. Right. And the lector will say, uh, a reading from the, from the book of Ecclesiasticus in the, the ninth chapter or whatever. And when they get to the end, normally we say the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. In, in the case of the deuterocanonical books, we just say here endeth the lesson or here ends the lesson. Oh, so we don't right. receive them as the word of the Lord. But this is, this is what the, the Anglicans, these are... These are the thirty-nine articles, which we'll talk about next next time we meet. Okay. Okay. Um, they're, they they form like the backbone for what Anglicans believe, and so they say the other books, as Saint Jerome says, the Church reads for example of life and for instruction of behavior, but it does not use them to establish any doctrines. So it's like so it's like these books are worth reading, but. We're not using them to establish doctrines of, of well, the church. Right, so it's like telling a story. 
mm-hmm. that illustrates a behavior. Yes, exactly. And so it's useful, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to like build my life around this, right. you know, Aesop's fables. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And they function the same way. It's like, these are stories about holy people and they were mm-hmm. written by holy people. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not the same as scripture and we don't receive them as though they were scripture. That's what so I that's always like, figured. you know, the song of Susanna and Bell and the Dragon and the books right. of the Maccabees and, right, right, and all right. of those. If you want a Bible that has those and you want to read that, like, like I, I love Bell and the Dragon. Like that's, well, yeah. that's my very favorite story. Yeah, it's awesome. it's <laughs> cause it's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, especially the, the, the Bell statue story where he's like, he's like, I don't know. What if we threw some ashes on the floor? Like, oh, oh, we suddenly figured out how your living God eats his food at night. Right, you know, like, yeah. It's just a really fun story. There are, there are also New Testament versions of those books. They weren't widely uh, known or understood at the time of the 39 articles. Um, but there are several books, like we, we in, we'll read, we, a few weeks ago we read the Didache. Uh, oh, yeah. as, as mm-hmm. part of our, you know, that was just my sermon. We do that once a year at St. Aidan's. We read the Didache. It's not from the Bible. It's older than some of the books in the Bible, but it's not from the Bible. And it, but, but it does help us to understand what Christian behavior looks like. Right. So, so they, they, they do that. But so if you want a Bible that has all of those in it, then, mm-hmm. you know, knock yourself out. Right. I think, I think there's two or three Bibles are. on the table that have the Apocrypha. Like you can totally read those. But it's just but understanding what they are. It's understanding what they are. Like these, these are here to help us understand what, mm-hmm. what life looks like in the kingdom, but we don't use it to say, you know, this is how salvation works. There or, is, though, evidence for the Maccabees, though, right? Like, that's, like, Yeah, historical. they're just a historical book. Uh-huh. Okay, like, that one is different than, like, Bell and the Dragon. Yes, Bell like, and the, yeah, Bell and the Dragon is like, just, that's a story, is, is just but a like, fable. But, but, like, the Maccabees, they were, like, The Maccabees real. are historical books. That's what yeah, I thought. uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's just a little information as to what happened. Like, you know, I think that's interesting because that's a little information as to what happened in between the two. right things you know and what was mm-hmm. going on with right like what people. was going on in between like you know you in you in malachi and it's like oh well god's people are going to return to the land and then suddenly you're like in the year of tiberius caesar you're, <laughs> like, you're like well um ow i could have i could have used an intro that, <laughs> right. that happened to me on netflix the other day i picked up a show that i'd watched like two or three years ago and i was like oh yeah oh, there's a new season of it and i turned it on i'm like no, I had to go to YouTube and find out. I'm like, what happened during the last season? Because I don't yeah. remember anything. You're like, I don't know what happened. Right, no and so that's good. Okay. Yeah, you good need deal. a little need a little filler. And so the Maccabees describes what happens, you know, after when Babylon collapses and Greece comes in, and then, okay, and, then right. and then Greece falls to the to the Romans, and like, what was what was it that happened? And well, yeah. Okay, cool. Why was that a big okay. deal? So, what does it mean that holy? Well, this is number thirty-one. Yes. What does it mean that Holy Scripture is inspired? Holy Scripture is God breathed for the biblical for the biblical authors wrote under the guidance of God's Holy Spirit to record God's word. What does it mean that the Bible is the word of God? Because the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, it is rightly called the word of God written. God is revealed in his mighty works and in the incarnation of our Lord, but his works and his will are made known to us through the inspired words of scripture. God has spoken through the prophets and continues to speak through the Bible today. Why is Jesus Christ called the Word of God? The fullness of God's revelation is found in Jesus Christ, who not only fulfills the scriptures, but is himself God's Word, the living expression of God's mind. The scriptures testify about him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
Therefore, ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. Now, this is, this is really important because Anglicans don't say that scripture is the word of God. It's God's word written. It, seem, right, it, seems, it seems like we're splitting hairs there, no, but it's different. an important distinction. Because we, <laughs> we believe that, that God's word is revealed to us through scripture. But God's word is, is the person of Christ. Jesus Christ. Right. That we go to scripture so that we can, I, know, I keep pointing at the, at the not the articles. The Bible's on this side. We keep going to scripture. <laughs> we go back to scripture over and over again because this is where we find Christ. Christ is revealed to us in scripture, but Christ himself is the, is, word. Is the word of God. The right. scripture is God's word written. This is, these are the words that, that speak Christ to us. Uh, that we, we believe that the scriptures speak to us uh, because the Holy Spirit is alive in the midst of his church, right? right. So that, that leads into 34. How do we interpret Holy Scripture? Okay. Just as Holy Scripture was not given through private interpretation of things, so it must also be translated, read, preached, taught, and obeyed in its plain and canonical sense, respectful of the church's historic and consensual reading of it. Right. So there, so, so there's what it is. We believe that it should be translated, read, preached, taught, and obeyed in its plain, canonical sense. Those, those two words. What you read on the page is what you should do. There are, there, there are a few times where you need to understand the context. and like That's, that's part of reading well. That, that's true about any kind of reading, mm-hmm. right? We shouldn't, we, we shouldn't read Scripture less, uh, less critically than we read anything else. Right. Like we, we, need to, we need to be reading well, mm-hmm. but... What we read, we do. Like that's ultimately that's what an Anglican is going to say. What we read, we do. Right. Like what what does the Bible say? Then then that's what we should do. And we un- so we understand it. We we obey it in its plain sense and in its canonical sense. We recognize that, especially in those places in Scripture that are hard to wrap our heads around, like you know stuff in Judges and stuff in Kings. Like what do we do with that? Well, then we go back and we say, what has the church historically mm-hmm. said? about these issues you know how how is how is god revealing his will to his people over time this progressive revelation of god what is it that the church has historically said uh, about these issues so we don't we don't just sit with it and we're like well this is what i think because you know then you end up with people you know selling their houses and sitting on their roof you know on a on a warm evening in august because that's when jesus is coming back you know yeah. like that's what happens when we sort of we, we we just run off and we you know get crazy right with it so how should belief in the god of the bible affect your life as i prayerfully learn holy scripture i should expect the holy spirit to use it to teach rebuke correct and train me in the righteousness that god desires this nourishes my soul toward the service of god and my neighbor Okay. How should you use the Holy Scripture in daily life? I should hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, so that by patience and strengthening through God's Word, I may embrace and cling to the hope of everlasting life given to me in Jesus Christ. I should read and pray Scripture daily, that I may know God's truth and proclaim it clearly to the whole world. What other books does the church acknowledge? The canon of Holy Scripture contains all things necessary to salvation. The 14 books of the Apocrypha may be also be read for example of life and instruction of manners, but not to establish any doctrine. So that's what we what we said yeah. before in that passage. Yeah. Okay, so, so next we're going to turn. Now, now, do you have any questions about how we handle Holy Scripture? Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. 
If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.